And you may be seated. Wow, that was some great worship. Uh, will you let them know how much you appreciate them, all the team, the great job that they do every single week. And it's so good to have you with us. Hey, next week is going to be a great uh, Sunday. It's Father's Day. And I hope you're going to be here. We've got a great service plan. I've already been working, uh, investing some serious hours in that talk uh, for Father's Day. And I'm encouraged to talk to all, the, all of us, really. But uh, there's some, uh, some nuances, especially for us fellas. I want to say thank you, a very, very special thank you to my dear friend right over here to my right, your left, Dr. Bill Hackett. And he did a great job last week, didn't he? Now, what a lot of you don't know, because I wasn't here to tell you this, but Bill actually uh, got a call. Uh, Bill, what time? 4.30 uh, last Saturday afternoon. And it's like SOS. We had to scramble the chairs. We were hearing about the deteriorating health of pastor's mom. And so uh, Bill uh, just so incredibly stepped in to be here. I went north. So the message I'm going to share with you today is the message I actually had prepared for you last week. But uh, we're in the same series at the North Campus, so I've got, uh, got this under my belt already a couple of times. So hopefully I'm familiar with my content. And uh, I, understand, I understand that Bill may have let you out just a little bit early last week. Is that true? Is that true? He didn't? All right. So thanks for the clarification because I fully intended to use my normal time plus his remaining balance. That was my plan. Just kidding. Well, welcome back for part two of our message series, Seeing the Invisible. If you missed last, uh, or actually it would have been two weeks ago, week one, uh, let me encourage you to go back. It, is, uh, it has been uh, placed, archived for you on the church's website or whatever social media platform you would follow the service if you were on vacation or such. So you can go back. But we talked two weeks ago when we kicked off this series, Seeing the Invisible, about four things that Satan, the devil, the evil one, is already always seemingly focused on. And, and then uh, last time, in addition to that, if you remember about halfway toward that talk, we turned and we started talking about six vital pieces uh, connected to the armor of God. So I hope you'll go back and give that a listen. I don't want to spend a lot of time in review because I want to get right to what we're going to talk about today. And you've come on a great Sunday because in the next several minutes, we are going to talk about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And one thing that I want to say about the Holy Spirit right up front is this. The Holy Spirit is not, it's not like we're talking about a force or an it or a mist or a phantom, but the third person of the Trinity is who we're talking about. The Holy Spirit is a person, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know less probably about the Holy Spirit than we do the other uh, two persons of the divine Trinity, the triune Godhead. But we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today because the Holy Spirit's work, His power and His presence is absolutely necessary to help you and I navigate the journey of the Christian life. It's imperative. And so there's some things we're going to talk about today that you're going to, you're going to walk away and you're going to be like, I, I didn't know the Holy Spirit was fully engaged in that. I didn't know that's what's the Holy Spirit's responsibility and what he's active in doing. So there's a lot I've got to share. So I want to go ahead and jump right in. The guys are going to put these uh, verses up on the screen. This is Jesus in John 14. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The other helper is who? Who is, who's he talking about? 
He's talking about the Holy Spirit right there. Another helper is the Holy Spirit to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it does not see him. That's what we're talking about in this series, seeing the invisible. The world cannot see him or know him, but you know him because, and this is really important. I want the guys to keep this up on the screen. It's because the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, lives with you and he will be in you. Now, I want you to look at that last sentence again, because if you ever really, really grasp that reality, it will change your thinking and it will change your life because you will walk away with a fundamental understanding that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've received Christ as the Savior and the leader of your life, the Holy Spirit is with you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, do you ever have those times, not a trick questions, but do you ever have times where you just feel like, and it may be brief, uh, for some of you it may feel like extended times, but do you ever have a feeling like you're just all alone? Just sort of wave at me. It's okay. It's not a trick. I'm, I'm all alone. I'm dealing with this on my own. This is my situation. Nobody knows about it. Nobody's giving me any help. The Holy Spirit is always with you, and he will not only be with you, Jesus said, and we can count on the words of Jesus. Jesus said, he's not only going to be with you, he's also going to be in you. And then you start thinking about the reality of that. And you say, well, this is what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit is with me. He's going to be with me as my counselor. He's going to be with me as my helper. He's going to be my comforter. He's going to be my protector. He's going to be my companion. He's going to be with me 24 seven. But even more than that, he is on the inside of me. And Jesus says the same power that raised me from the dead is going to dwell in your life as a follower. And so you think about how powerful that is with you and in you. But Jesus has something else to say about the Holy Spirit. And when he makes this net statement, it seems at first glance, I'm just telling you before you even see it, it seems to be outrageous. It just seems to be like unbelievable that, that Jesus would even say it. But I want you to see it right here. Jesus said, I'm going to do what is, what? What's it say there? I'm going to do what is best for you. And human beings in that age, in Jesus' time and in our time said, well, great, because we like what is best for us. So Jesus, if you want to do something that's really, really good for us, we're all ears, we're in, count us in. Jesus said, I'm going to do what is best for you. And then look at how he follows that. He said, that is why I'm going away. And they're like, time out. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You just said what you're about to do is going to be best for us. And it doesn't sound like this is going to be best for us, that you are going to go away, he said. But look at this. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. He can't come to really help you the way that he wants to help you until I leave. But after I'm gone, I will. I will send the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. I'm going to send him to you. Jesus said, this is what is best for you. And again, at first glance, that seems utterly outrageous. How can it be good? Can you imagine these first century uh, followers, this close band of Jesus is on when Jesus said, hey, hey guys, hey gals, I'm going to do what's best for you. And they're like, yeah, we're all in on that. I'm leaving you. And they're like, what? That doesn't sound like it's best for us, but it actually is. Dr. Henry Cloud uh, he wrote a book, actually, probably his most famous book with Dr. John Townsend called Boundaries. If you've never read Boundaries, you need to read that. But he actually wrote another book about spiritual growth, about spiritual formation called How People Grow. It's a slow read. Uh, it, it was for me, uh, you know, and I'm an avid reader, but it just gives you so much to think about. 
And there's a statement that he writes in this book, How People Grow is the name of the book. He says this. He says, for reasons we do not fully understand, Jesus decided to go to heaven and work on us from there. And he said, Jesus did, that it is better than his being here himself. And then uh, Dr. Henry Cloud made this statement. He said, all I can think is that it must be incredible to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we get that because Jesus is saying, hey, it's good for me to go away because when I go away, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Another writer said this, Jesus' ministry on earth lasted only about three years. He never left Palestine. The vast majority of people who ever lived on earth have never come in direct contact with him. And then Jesus gathered them together and he said, you know what is best for you? And they're like, what? And he said that I leave. And they're like, no. And he's like, yes, it's best for you. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, why does, let me help you to make sense of that in this regard. When Jesus walked the earth for about 33 years, about three years of that, uh, we know, was his public ministry. Well, when Jesus walked, and this is what you have to uh, know about his life. When Jesus came, when he was sent from heaven to earth by God his Father, he assumed upon himself a certain measure of humanity. He was fully God, but fully man. Fully God, but fully man. And so he placed upon himself... Uh, certain limitations. For the first time in his life, Jesus knew what it was like to get hungry. For the first time in his life, Jesus knew what it was like to get tired. For the first time in his life, Jesus was limited in terms of proximity. So if Jesus was in one place, in one town or one village, then he most certainly could not be in another town or another village. So let's fast forward that. Let's imagine that the Holy Spirit had not been sent into the world because Jesus is still physically and tangibly present in the world. I want you to think about this for a moment. If Jesus were still walking the earth, and let's say, for example, he was in another country at some part of the world, then you and I know that he could not be in the United States of America at the same time, right? 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 Are you with me? Are you with me? Stark in here. I know you get... Are you with me? So if Jesus was in another part of the world, could he be in the United States of America? Absolutely not. If Jesus was in the United States of America, but let's just say he was in another portion of this country, he was in the Northeast or the Midwest, then he couldn't be in Florida. Now, this is, I can't back this up theologically, okay? So I want to go ahead and declare, I can't back this up theologically. This is more possibly my thinking. But if Jesus was walking the earth to, to, today, he would probably spend a lot of time in the metro Atlanta, Georgia area. That's what I'm thinking. And then Gig, I think, you know, come the fall, he'd probably migrate more over toward Athens, that's just my thought. I can't prove this, Dr. Hackett, theologically, but that's just what I'm thinking. So Jesus, Jesus, if he was in one place, he couldn't be in another place. So he said, this is going to be good for you because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit with you. No limitations in terms of proximity. He can be with you all. He's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. Here's what I want to do in the next few moments. You cannot miss this. I get fired up just thinking about it. Five incredible things that you and I need to know about the person of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? You note takers, get ready. Five of them. And uh, I know how much time I've got. So uh, I, want to, I want to just uh, toss this out. Five wonderful things about the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a key player in the gift of salvation. The Holy Spirit is a key player in the gift of salvation. In what way, you may be thinking? In this way, the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. 
That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, and then Jesus saves us. On a Sunday growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, that's why I used the reference earlier in case you weren't wondered. Uh, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, I was in a Sunday service. I was far from God at that particular time. My parents had raised me in church, but unfortunately I'd got away from the foundation of my faith. And uh, so I was, I was away from God, and uh, I was in a Sunday service, much like this, but not in a theater. And uh, there was a guest speaker that day, and uh, even though I was not in church all the time, because you've got to keep in mind, I grew up in this church, but I've been disconnected. And so I was like an occasional, and that's being generous, an occasional attender. But I loved, and I had since I was a kid, I loved my pastor. And so on this particular Sunday, um, I, I show up for church, and I love, we called him Brother Bray. I love Brother Bray. And I'm like, I'm here in church, and, I, you know, uh, Brother Bray's a great speaker, and I love him, and he's a wonderful man, and, and I was anxious to hear him. But, but there was a guest speaker there that day. And can I, will you judge me too harshly if I'm transparent with you? Will you do that? I'm just telling you, I did not like the guest speaker. Now, keep in mind, I'm, I'm far from God. I'm not thinking spiritually minded, uh, but I, I, I didn't like him. I just didn't like him. I, I didn't like, um, you know, how he had, you know, delivered the message. I didn't like his mannerisms. And I just had this checklist of everything that I didn't like about him. What I didn't realize is that the Holy Spirit had a different plan for my life that day, because I just told you, I sat there during that entire message thinking, I don't like him a whole lot. I don't like him a whole lot. I don't like him a whole lot. But when he gave the invitation, the Holy Spirit so convicted my heart. It was my day. And I found myself getting up at the end of that, going forward and praying and receiving Jesus as the Savior and the leader of my life. The Holy Spirit, listen, friends, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. Some of you may be here even now and you're not a Christian yet. And you're like, Jeff, I can resonate uh, with what you just said because I don't like you a whole lot. <laughs> well, you hang on. You never know. But what God might be up to something amazing in your life. This guy by the name of Nicodemus, a lot of you, if you grew up in, around church, you heard of Nicodemus. He was, he was really in the religious establishment with all the, you know, the Sanhedrin and teachers of the law and chief priests and all. He's well connected in that, but he, he, he is enamored by Jesus, and he really likes Jesus a whole lot. But because he was on the other side of the fence in terms of what the viewpoint of Jesus was, he's, he's intrigued by Jesus, but he doesn't want to publicly uh, you know, go to Jesus in the middle of the daytime, so he's actually visibly seen. So the scripture says that Nicodemus went to Jesus at night. And, um, and, and he's never heard anybody. He's never met anybody, never seen anybody. In fact, I love that it was said about Jesus. It, it was said of Jesus, uh, you've read this, if you've read through the Bible, that no one ever spoke like this man spoke. I mean, there was such a power. There was such, uh, you know, just a difference. In, and so Nicodemus recognizes this. In fact... Uh, while I was working on this talk, I, I noticed what one, when I was doing my research, I noticed what one Bible scholar said that was interesting to me. He says that not only was Nicodemus drawn to Jesus out of his own personal curiosity, but that he was, and we believe this, he was also drawn to Jesus out of, his, out of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
So there were two things pulling at Nicodemus. His own curiosity about Jesus because he's got questions and he's going to approach Jesus at night, not publicly, so that he can raise these questions to Jesus. And he does that. And Jesus hears him out. And then Jesus has an announcement for Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, having heard everything that you've just said, everything that you've just asked, I want you to know what you need, Nicodemus. You need salvation, Nicodemus. You need to be born again. He's like, what? I don't even know what that means. How can I be born a second time? You know, mom already gave birth to me. What is that? Do I enter a second time into mom? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. And then Jesus says this. You're going to love this. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Look at this next part right here. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Remember that now. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. Remember that as well. You should not be surprised at me, at my saying, you must be born again. So Nicodemus has his questions. Jesus has his response. He's like, all right, dude, here's, here's the bottom line. You need to be born again. Nicodemus is like... I don't even know what that means. And Jesus said, well, let me explain it to you. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And Nicodemus says, well, I get that. And you and I get that, right? We get that because you know what he's saying? Flesh gives birth to flesh. You know what he's saying? Your mom gave birth to you. Every one of you are here. We have that in common. Your mom gave birth to Flesh gives birth to flesh. My dear mom, and some of you have heard me tell this before, when mom uh, was alive, she passed away just a few years ago. And that call I got every birthday. I still miss it since she's gone. But mom, every birthday, she would call and she'd say, Jeff, this is mom. As though I didn't know. I mean, looking at my phone. This is mom. Hey, honey. Uh, happy birthday, honey. And I'd say, thank you, mom. Thank you, mom. And then she'd say, do you want me to tell you how horrible it was giving birth to you? I'm like, no, mom, you do that every year. I think I've got it by now. You're so damaged my psyche as it is. No. You want me to tell how horrible it was? And it was. It was. Mom was 17 years of age uh, when she became pregnant. With, mom wasn't even five foot tall when she became pregnant with me. Uh, not too long after her and my, my dad were married, mom didn't even at the time... Uh, at the time of her pregnancy, and, until she got late term, she didn't even she didn't even weigh 95 pounds. She's small. In fact, I, I told this to my grandmother later. I said, her mom, Mamma, we called her. I said, Mamma, you know what mom does every year? She calls me and tells me what a horrible time, and I was having fun, and I was laughing about it. She said, well, Jeff, she did. She said, in fact, when she went into labor, she was actually over there. Your dad and her were over at the house. And at one point, your mom's on the sofa and a very, very hard labor pain hit your mom. And she threw herself back on the couch and she started saying, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Well, it's a little late for that, Mary. Y'all should have thought of that ahead of time. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Your mother gives you physical birth. But then Jesus said, spirit gives birth to spirit. The Holy Spirit draws you to your heavenly father and you have a spiritual birth. You are born again. Well, how can you know for certain that you're a child of God? Well, Jesus tells us, or Paul actually tells us how that we can know. You say, well, how can I know I'm a Christian? The Holy Spirit's engaged in that as well. Paul said the spirit himself, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's this inner confirmation that we're a child of God. Number two, number two, I need to hurry. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to pursue the will of God. 
The Holy Spirit gives us the power to pursue the will of God. You see, there are two major helps that you and I need in our lives. All of us need this. You need this. I need this. Two major helps that all of us need, and that is, uh, let me say it this way, it is to have the perception or the understanding of the will of God. Are you with me on that? Wave at me if you are. All of us need this. We need to have the perception or what is the understanding of the will of God. And then secondly, we need the power to fulfill what God's will actually is. You following me there? You've got it, right? The Holy Spirit, this third person of the Trinity, gives us the power to pursue the will of God, helps us to be able to understand, to perceive what the will of God is. And then having perceived that and understood that, the Holy Spirit gives us then the power to accomplish that. This is Jesus again, and I want you to check out what he says. This is back in John's gospel, chapter 14. He said, but the helper, and we know who that is, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. This helper is, and he clarifies, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. So you and I find ourselves at that place many times. God, I need you to show me what your will is. You're going to be at that place so many times in your life, and so will I. God, I need you to reveal to me what your will is. God, I've got to make a decision about a job. Do I stay in this job? Do I take that job? God, open the right doors. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Uh, help me in having a conversation. I've got to have a difficult conversation with a friend that is severely addicted. This is not Holy Spirit, lead me. Now, I know what I need to do. I need to have the conversation. But now give me the courage to have the conversation. Lord, show me what you want me to do about this relationship. Show me what you want me to do in regards to this financial decision. God, show me, lead me, lead me. Give me a perception or an understanding as to what your will is. And then having done that, then give me the courage to act upon it. If it's a need, do you want me to respond to that? If, I, if the answer is yes, then how do you want me to respond to that? And I'll give you one example. And we're talking about the will of God. It's been a few years ago. I walked into a Chick-fil-A restaurant one day because that was the will of God for my life. And it has been many times since. So I walked in, and I never carry cash. I never carry cash. I have in my wallet my debit card at all times, but I rarely have any cash with me. And on this particular day, I don't even remember why I was carrying cash, but I walked in, I placed my order, and I had paid, and then I'm standing around waiting for my order to be filled, and I'm just, I'm a people watcher. Anybody else? Are you people? So I'm a people watcher, so I'm just scanning my surroundings. And I noticed this family, and there's a lot of kids and the parents, and they're, and they're sitting down. It's a big lot of kids, as I mentioned, and they're sort of dividing up the food, and everybody seems pleasant, everybody's smiling, and, and, uh, and I'm watching this for a moment, and, uh, and I, I, uh, I sense the Holy Spirit saying to me, Jeff, you've got some cash in your wallet today, right? And I'm like, how do you know that? I didn't tell you that. Do you think perhaps the reason you've got cash today is because I want you to take all the cash that's in your wallet and I want you to give to this family? No, that can't be it, Lord. I'm, that, that can't be it. And he's like, I think it is. And I'm like, and I'm, I've been blessed more than I deserve and I wanted to be generous then and I always want to be generous now. So now I have clarification, I have perception, I have understanding as to what God's will is. God wants me to meet a need. But now the courage part comes in. And I want to be generous, 
But have you ever been in a situation like that and you start role-playing what will happen? And I did that. Like, Lord, I'm going to walk over, and as discreetly as I can, I'm going to hand this dad the, the cash. And then I started thinking, what if he's offended? I mean, there's no, how many of you know there's no guarantees? I know what I sense by the Holy Spirit to be the will of God, but what I don't know, I don't have clarity on what his reason. He may look at me and say, like, dude, what do you think? I mean, uh, I'm offended. What do you, you think I need? So I'm just, I'm, so I'm struggling. Does anybody feel the tension of what was going on? I'm like, I want to do it, and I've been blessed, and I want to be generous, and I feel like God, but what if he has a negative reaction? So I'm struggling with this, struggling with this, struggling with this. They're all looking down, and I kid you not, there's a little girl, she looked to be about eight or nine years old. I'm struggling with this in a huge way. And I'm just watching, I'm just watching. I kid you not. And there's a lot of people in Chick-fil-A, as there always is. And this little girl, she raises her, she raises her head up like this. And she doesn't look any, at anybody else, but she looks at me just like this. As if to say, you know God wants you to give that cash to our family, don't you? And I'm like, now I've got the courage. And I did it. I'm like, and it was real discreet. Hey, uh, you know, I just sense, I don't know, but I just sense the Lord wants me to give you guys this cash that God bless. And I just hurried off. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher and helper and counselor and guide. John 16, 13. Look at this up on the screen. When the Spirit comes who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to pursue the will of God. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit provides us with a backbone to share Jesus with the lost. To share Jesus with the lost. Let me tell you about my friend Gary. I mentioned to you that I'd grown up in church. I had a foundational faith, but I'd gotten away from God in my teenage years. And while I was in, the high, while I was in high school, I had an older friend. I was like around ninth or 10th grade, and Gary, he was an upperclassman. And let me just, this is the way I would describe Gary. Uh, partying came second nature to Gary. He, I mean, he was a professional partier. And I hung out with Gary and some of Gary's friends. And so uh, I became a, a partier, but he was a professional. I was like a pure amateur partier as compared to Gary, who was a professional. So you got the picture, right? In fact, Gary did everything I wanted to do, but was afraid to do, if that made sense. So Gary, you know, he graduates. I'm still in school. We sort of not, I, I didn't, you know, uh, he's finishing up. Now, what I, what I want to mention to you, you remember when I said I was in that church service, and you remember the speaker I didn't like, and I'm like, I don't like him, don't like him. And I came to Jesus. Well, shortly thereafter, I have a conversation with my friend Gary. This is before he graduated. And I remember this like it happened yesterday. We're, we're in his backyard. It's at night. And we have an extended time. And, and I, I tell Gary what has happened to me. I, Gary, I gave my life to Jesus. I know that I, and I, just, I, gave, I gave my life to Christ. I was in church recently. I went forward, I gave my life, I'm a Christian now, and as clearly as I knew how to as a teenager in high school, I explained the gospel to my friend Gary as clearly as I knew how. All right, let me fast forward. Gary graduates. 
I never had this attitude, well, I'm too good now, or sanctimonious, or I'm smug spiritually, and so I can't hang out with my buddy Gary. But he graduates, he goes one way, I go another way. So we lose track. About a year later, I'm back in this area, his neighborhood, and I went and I knocked on, on the door, and I just wanted, it was, it was before cell phones. Anybody? There actually was, in case you don't know, a day when cell phones did not exist. And so I knocked on his door, and his mom, she opened up the door. She's a sweet lady, and I, you know, my initial reflex was, hey, she's going to be happy to see me. She seemed to like me, and, uh, and I haven't seen her. And I, so I thought she would smile, but she didn't smile. In fact, immediately, she, she just looked sad. And then she dropped her head like this. And I said, is, is Gary here? She said, you don't know? I said, called her name, I don't know anything. She said, not too long ago, Gary was in a tragic automobile accident, and he died. He died at the scene. And my mind immediately flashed back to that time in Gary's backyard. When having come to Christ, I explained the gospel to my friend Gary as clearly as I knew how. And it gave me some comfort and solace that maybe he had heeded it. So easy to create reasons to not share our faith, isn't it? We say, well, they will reject me, or they're too lost, or they're going to have questions, or, or I don't know enough, or I'm not trained for this, or what will I say? And here's what I want you to know. This is where the Holy Spirit gives us the backbone. And you've got to get this because many of you have friends or family members that are far from God, and, and you haven't come to this realization yet. But here's what the Holy Spirit will do. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life will not only give you the wisdom to be able to communicate the gospel, but will also give you the words to communicate the gospel. I love what Paul says. You've got to see this. Look at this on the screen. He said, when I talk with you or preach, when I talk with you or preach, I didn't try to prove anything by sounding wise. I wasn't trying to sound smart. I had it all together. I knew all the answers. I was the answer man. I love what Paul says. He said, I simply let God's spirit show his power. That's all I did. And that's what you and I do, friends. That is the hope. And I want you to really resonate with this. When you and I get ready to share the gospel, to communicate the gospel with somebody that is far from God, a family member, a friend, we've got to have the confidence of knowing the Holy Spirit who is active. Remember, He's with us and He's in us. And He will give us the wisdom and the words. And we just get out of the way and we let God's Spirit show His power through our life. And you can do this. But maybe you're thinking, but Pastor Jeff, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of scriptures about sharing my faith or evangelism. And, and you need to learn. Obviously, you need to learn. But a lot of times, we discount the opportunity that we have to share our faith. And I want to give you this. Some of you, some of you, this is going to be very helpful to you because you've never heard this before. But you could communicate the gospel as early as today to somebody that you know that needs Jesus. And many times, even if you don't know a bunch of verses, I always encourage people to remember three things. When you're talking to somebody, tell them who you were. Tell them who you were. In the case of Gary, he knew what my life was like because I was hanging out with him. I was an amateur partier, but he was a professional. He knew. And so I didn't have to spend a lot of time telling Gary what I was because he knew what I was. We ran together. 
Now, I do want to offer a word of caution right here. If the person you were before coming to Jesus, like you were really, really, really bad, don't go into all the details of it. And I'll tell you why. Because they may hear you talk about how bad you are, and they'll say, you needed Jesus. You were horrible. You were rough. I'm nothing like you. And you talk them out of coming to Jesus because they're thinking they're not nearly as bad as you were. So you tell them what you were. And then you tell them what you did. You received Christ. You were born again. You've become saved. And you share that with them. Who you were before Jesus, that you came. And that's what I did with Gary. I said, Gary, man, I didn't even like this cat. But I went forward and prayed. And the Holy Spirit was drawing me to Jesus. And I became a Christian. This is how it happened. And then I communicated with him, you know. Just, hey, Gary, I had nights. Man, we, we'd, get, we'd all go back home to our separate homes. And I had a lot of nights I'd go because I had a foundation of faith. And I'd lay in my bed at night. And I was just so miserable because I knew that what I'd been doing earlier that evening was so apart, so far apart, the person that I knew I should be and wanted to be. And who was I? He knew that. How did I become a Christian? What my life has been, the peace that I have. Gary, when I lay down at night, I can go to sleep. When I lay down at night, I have peace. When I lay down at night, I'm not living with all of this regret. I need to move on. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live a Christ-like life. Do we always aim to live a Christ-like life? Hopefully the majority of the time we do. But honestly, and being totally transparent with you once more, sometimes, if I'm being honest, I want to live the Jeff-like life. But there's a fundamental problem with that, an enormous problem, because the Jeff-like life is often a selfish life. Because that's who we are by nature. It's patterned when we, you know, out of the nature of who we are, it's patterned after our sinful nature. Romans, in fact, look at this up on the screen. Uh, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Look at this next part right up here. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, which is what I do when I'm living the Jeff-like life instead of the Christ-like life. So letting the sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and, and peace. And so, you know, you and I, because of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, what does He do? He gives us the power to live the life that we really want to live. So I've just got to ask you, and I'll do it quickly because we're about out of time. What is prevailing most in your life? What is prevailing most in your life? If it's you, or in my case, me, then we're driven by the sinful nature. And when we're driven by the sinful nature, we have sinful thoughts. And the more we entertain our sinful thoughts, it leads to distress and frustration. But if instead we said, no, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to follow my old sinful nature. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit who has given me this new and redeemed nature. Then I'm going to think godly thoughts. And when I'm thinking godly thoughts, that's going to lead me to life and to peace in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live the Christ-like life. Fifthly and finally, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts that ought to be used. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts that ought to be used. In a recent message series, in fact, the one that just preceded this series that we've just started on seeing the invisible, we we talked about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, is very much different than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you say, in what way? In this way. 
The fruit of the Holy Spirit reflects who we are. Gifts, spiritual gifts, reflect what we do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that one more time. The fruit of the Spirit reflects who we are. The gifts of the Spirit reflect what we do in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon you certain spiritual gifts in accordance with that which is the Spirit's plan for your life. And you're like, Jeff, how do you know that? Hebrews 2, 4. I want you to see this verse up on the screen. We're just about done. But you need to check this out. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. I want to be very clear, and I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but I want to be very, very clear on this. If you're not a Christian yet, I hope that you'll become a Christian today. If you are already a Christian, the Holy Spirit, when you became a Christian, deposited into your life certain spiritual gifts in accordance with His will. And guess what He wants you to do? He wants you to use them. The Holy Spirit has not given you spiritual gifts so that you can stand around with your buddies and say, what gifts do you have? Well, let me tell you what gifts I have. Oh, by the way, I'm not doing anything with them. No. Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And I, I would just encourage you during these summer months, you start looking around and you just start saying, you know, if you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. And if I'm a Christian, I have spiritual gifts. And where do I need to serve? What do I need to do? Do I need to serve in the nursery? And some of you are like, I know that that is not God's will for me to serve in the nursery. Well, maybe it's to serve in guest services. Maybe if you're musically inclined, it's, it's to sing. But you really got to be able to sing. You can't just think you can sing. If you think you can sing, but nobody else thinks you can sing, there's other areas. <laughs> or you can play. Or guest services. Or you can lead a small group. You can open your home. You've got a gift of hospitality. See, you've got a spiritual gift. And God wants you to use it. Not to talk about it. Not to feel good about it. Why did you do it? One more verse and we're done. Here we go. Look at this next verse. Right up here. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. We serve each other in the church and we serve the world. If you're a Christian, you are called. And I want to give you, that's a fact. If you're a Christian, you are called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to serve. And you need to find that, that area where God wants you to serve. I want you to stand with me. Some of you are like I was on that Sunday. You're far from God. And maybe you weren't as far from God as I was, but I knew that I was not in right relationship with Jesus. And you may be here in, in this auditorium or you may be watching online and you know you're not a Christian yet. It's time to stop running. You say, Jeff, man, I know I'm feeling drawn. And, and it's not just your emotions. It's not just like you're having these feelings. Well, I came to church and, you know, and it's only natural that I've... No, no, no. It's much, much bigger. It goes way beyond your emotions or feelings. Let me tell you what's happening. This is the invisible world that we're talking about in this series. The Holy Spirit right now is drawing you to Jesus. He's drawing you to Jesus. And you've got to say, yes. Now, let me just tell you this. And I want to do this real quick. Right now, there is a... If you're not a Christian, let me just say this. At home, watching online, or wherever you're at on vacation or in this place, there's a huge spiritual war going on right now. See, the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Jesus if you're not a Christian yet. And the evil one is saying, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
No, that's, that's crazy. You don't, hey, not now, sometime later, but not now. Hey, listen, you're too bad of a You've done too much. The church thing, the God thing, the Jesus thing is not for you. Hey, by the and, and so there's this tension right now. And listen, it's not just, it's not just you having thoughts and feelings and emotions. The evil one is saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Now's not the time. You don't need to do that. That's crazy. Don't buy into that nonsense. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Well, you know who you need to listen to. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit who is right now drawing you in this moment to Jesus. And you say, Jesus, Jesus, look at you as he did to Nicodemus. He said, you need to be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. You've had that birth, but you need the second birth, the new birth. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Everybody, nobody looking around. If you're not a Christian yet, you were like I was in that Sunday service many years ago, and you're just saying, I know now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time for me to give my life to Jesus. I want you to lift up your hand real quick, real quick. You don't have to hold it up long. Just lift it up real quick, put it up, pop it up, and then bring it right back down real quick, real quick. All right, I see, I see. Now pray this prayer right there in your heart, in your mind. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Your Holy Spirit is drawing me. It's more than just going to church. And I know that, Lord. It's more than just believing in your existence, God. I need Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Give me a brand new start. Give me a do-over. Give me a mulligan. Give me a clean slate. Forgive me of all my sins. And empower me to live a Christ-like life. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Amen. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome week. See you right